All right, can I get an audio test from everybody? I can hear you, Chris. Is my is my voice uh, the ambient temperature of the room? No, you're good. Okay. Steve? He- hello, I'm also here. My energy might be slightly lower than Chris's. All right, you're good. There we go. I'm good? Yeah. Yeah. This was an issue we had when we uh, very first started the Darnia project, where we uh, did the first few episodes on a laptop mic uh, that just wouldn't pick me up. Like, her voice was fine, but like every other sentence, it just would not... When it would start filtering out background noise, yeah. it would filter out <laughs> you were, voice. You were back... Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that can't be good for your self-esteem. No. Sorry, your background noise. Yeah. That's what I figured out. My voice is apparently the same cadence as just like the universe. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, you're at one with the universe. Sure. Let's go with that. You ready? Kick this thing off? Yeah. Do you have a character? Everybody have a character? Everybody have a character? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Hello and welcome to Chronically Olympus, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Percy Jackson and the Olympian series chapter by chapter. And today we're going off format and discussing an entire book, Percy Jackson, The Lightning Thief. I am Echidna, mother of all monsters, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. Uh... I am the as-of-yet-unnamed, uh, ill-begotten child of Hades. Ooh. Also known as Chris. Hello, Chris. Hi. And today, in another bout of off-formatness, we have a guest with us. Who are you? I am an alcoholic who has been condemned to teach children for the next 100 years. <laughs> also known as? Steve. Hi, Steve. No. Steve, you're supposed to come up with a character. You didn't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I'm Mr. D. Oh, there you <laughs> go. There you go. Excellent. Oh, that 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 child of Hades. Yes. I know who that is. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, we're gonna we're gonna try really hard to not have Steve spoil things for us because we never we have actually not read the rest of the series. Yes. Yeah. So. And that is entirely a supposition on Chris's part. I, I am going to. You mean he has read the rest? Of the series? No, no, no. no. Oh, like, the, you like read the rest of the series. No, neither of us have read any of it. His 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 joke about being the unnamed child of Hades is is something that he's put together from. I think it's going to happen from the from the ending of uh, the book. Yeah. Um, I will try very hard not to spoil any major plot points. Sometimes the things sort of blend in together. Was that in this book or that book? So I'll ask. Okay. Like, I wanted to ask, I don't want to jump ahead, but I wanted to ask, what do you guys know about this big prophecy? Like the, the Oracle's prophecy? Not the one, not the one specific to this book, but there's a, there's a big one. There's, yeah, there's a mention of a prophecy. The Great Prophecy. Okay. Like early on. I feel like, like it doesn't nothing. talk about now. Yeah. Doesn't we, talk about it at all. No. Okay, no. Then I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. We know nothing. Yeah. Right. We also have like a brief reference to um, Chiron's oracle. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he, he got a prophecy. Yeah. 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 And we never so find out what that is. We don't find out any more about that in this book. Oh. So mm-hmm. well, we I just f- know that it happened. 
I feel like I could tell you that one. It's not a big spoiler. <laughs> it's just because he asks, uh, Percy asks Chiron, shouldn't you be dead? Yeah. You raise any, and his prophecy is, is that he is not fated to die as long as there are heroes to train. Okay. Okay. So that he has job security. Okay. <laughs> But see, the last book in the series is called The Last Olympians. The Last Olympian. Olympians. So, so as but, long as there are heroes to train. Uh-huh. Is Chiron going to die? <laughs> hey, don't ask for spoilers. We're specifically avoiding those. We can't know anything going in. Dang it. <laughs> this is just like the game. Like, I'm playing, I'm playing Jedi Survivor right now. And, like, I know that there's something that emotionally hit Chris when he was playing it. You're just waiting for it to happen and, and, I, and dreading it. And every time some new character gets introduced or brought back or something, I'm just like, "Dang it, is this the one that's gonna die?" <laughs> like, I just, I keep, I keep absolutely being like, "Ah, is this the one that they're gonna make die?" Oh, I know one of these is gonna die. <laughs> You're just waiting for that shoe to drop. Yeah. All right. So, what are we? What are we gonna talk about? How are we doing this? Well, we haven't done a book review in a long time. Well, as as um, we usually do is we have a guest here who has other opinions and other thoughts that we Crazy. might not have gotten to. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, we'd love to start with... Some... Oh, I, rem- I remember what we do now. Uh, Steve, what's your, what's your background with this book? Oh, yes. Oh. <sighs> well... Um... I am a elementary school teacher. I currently teach fifth grade, and I don't actually teach this book, but I read it aloud to my class. When I taught sixth grade, I taught this book because sixth grade social studies is ancient civilization, which includes uh, Greece and Rome and mythology. And actually, I don't know how many years ago now, 10 or more years ago, all the standards changed, and everything became common core. You can't see my finger quotes, mm-hmm. listeners. Um, but uh, And then we were all scrambling for new curriculum. And um, there was this uh, nonprofit called Engage New York that was New York City Schools. And they came out with a bunch of curriculum for novels. And as you can tell, this book is very New York centric. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, one of the sixth grade books that they did curriculum for was this book, The Lightning Thief. And so, our principal bought it and got it, and I started teaching it. And as long as I taught sixth grade, I taught it every year, and I loved it. And we taught the hero's journey through it. Uh, between this and Kung Fu Panda, I taught the hero's journey. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great. We talked a lot about mythology, the structures of myths. One of the things that we we talked about, or we actually wrote essays about, was, is the lightning thief a modern-day myth? Does it fit the, uh, does it have the elements of mythology in it? Does it fit that structure? That sort of thing. Right. Right. So does it? Uh, for the most part, yeah. They're, okay. they're, one of the little niggling criticisms I have about this book and this series is... Um, Every once in a while, it pulls me out of, of my... It's very timeless. You can read it and you can go, this thing could take place anywhere from like 1980 to the present. Mm-hmm. Until usually it's when he mentions music. Yeah. Because uh, in this book in particular, uh, Percy says, the only two songs Grover knows are some Mozart 
piano concerto and Hilary Duff's So Yesterday. Yeah. And none of my students know who Hilary Duff is. <laughs> it's a very millennial reference. Tragedy. Yeah. <laughs> and there are, in, in, in the, the books that are coming, there are a couple of other circumstances where that happens. And you go, oh, I wish it's you had It's a very time-bound. I wish you hadn't said it because it makes it very time-bound. Yeah. And it makes it less... Some of the some of the passages, and when we get to it, some of them hit ri- hit kids really hard. Uh-huh. Um, but that's like who, yeah, you know, and and they don't get it. Yeah, yeah. and I guess uh, I wouldn't say you had the opposite effect, but there's uh, you know references on the other side that like you know to the TSA and how that works that like kids would like automatically be like, oh yeah, that's mm, I can I can immediately picture that mm-hmm. where like. Older people might be like, "Oh yeah, I guess that is how you travel now, isn't it?" Is it? How you travel. Yeah. yeah, that's uh. When you, yeah, that's when you talk about the lines at Hades being yeah. like a like TSA, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, the easy death line. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think Kristen, you have some um, a pile of cards with various themes and this whatnot is, on it that we this can just is kind just of... if we if we get lost. I just wanted to kind of discuss and. Steve, you've listened to the podcast. Is there anything that, uh, anything specific that you were like screaming at us? Like, what did you? Why did you miss that? Why did you forget that? Why didn't you watch the post-credit scene of the movie? <laughs> well, I texted you that. Yeah. What you didn't see it to the very end because that's one of the better parts of the movie is it the is. post-credit scene. Yeah. Know? In the book, it it implies that Sally murders Gabe. Yeah. Because it, she sells a statue called the poker player. Yep. It's like, come on over here, honey. Sit down. Let's pose. Let me take your picture. Blech. And uh, and the movie handled it very well because your hero heroes aren't supposed to murder people. Yeah. And Sally is is you know is one of the heroes. Is she's one of the good guys. Yeah. Is Gabe a people though? Like if we really get down to it, is he not a monster? Barely. But yeah. <laughs> but like he, the essence of his. Of his humanity, he is so very human yeah. that it protects Percy yeah. uh-huh. from the monsters. Like he is so human, he smells enough to cover up godhood. Yeah, yeah. Like that, I would say, is an argument for him being human and should be treated as a human. And, and at the end of the book, when Percy is contemplating murdering Gabe, he says, "Heroes aren't supposed to kill normies, mortals." Yeah, and. Even, you know, the strictest definition, he's, you know, he's human, yeah. I guess, in species, if not in behavior. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I mean, that's a major component of the book where, like, you know, Riptide, Riptide is that what the sword's called? Riptide. Riptide. Uh, you know, celestial bronze can't actually hurt mortals, like, not, like, he's not supposed to, but also he physically can't, like, with yeah. his one weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, he can still, like, drown people, I guess. That's uh, the water powers work. He can punch uh, them, I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and, yeah, he even pulls out the pen like he's gonna just slash Gabe right there and is like, oh, wait, no. Are you gonna I do right on me? Couldn't. Yeah. And that's all that that sword could do to begin with, like. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so, I guess back to the question, what did we miss in the book? What did we, what did we not talk about that, like, is a big deal? The one... Judge us, Steve. <laughs> uh, I... I don't know if there's anything huge that you missed. I greatly enjoyed all the all the baseless speculation, uh-huh. you know, to to have an old callback because you had no idea you've had because like when when you did Narnia, you had read it. Yeah, 
years ago. So you had a general idea, even if you couldn't remember all the details. And and I just wrote, it's like, oh, they don't have a clue what's going to happen next. (laughs) (laughs) And I enjoyed that. Um, You were complaining a little bit, and I sent you a text about the, this, you know, about the deus ex machina. It's yeah. like, how does this, you know, this doesn't make sense. How do they wander from place to place? And just, and, and I texted you back and saying, they're literally being manipulated by gods. They're machining all over the place. But my theory that Grover is actually the secret hero of this, of this story. So they, they just ruin a perfectly good bus, right? Yes. So they get their quest and all they know is, well, we have to go west. So they get on this westbound bus. And they have problems with the Furies. The bus breaks down. They barely get away. And uh, Grover says, "If I can only, uh, if I can only remember that Find a Path song," and he starts playing it. And Percy thinks oh, that sounds like Hillary Duff. And uh, but then, like less than an hour later, they find Medusa's place. Mm-hmm. And I think Grover, who, when we talk about D&D, is clearly a, uh, a barred druid multiclass. Yeah. Uh, he, that was, he, okay, we got to find our way. Where do we go next? Play a song and magic. There they are. And from there, uh, not only do, does Percy get a chance to level up because he's fought his first monster. Uh, but second. Second monster. The Minotaur. Yeah. Oh, and the Fury. Third yeah. monster. Yeah. But uh, they find the address in L.A. of where they're supposed to go. Uh, They're talking in the middle of the woods at night, and they don't have any money. And Grover plays another song. Mm -hmm. And the next morning, uh, Gladiola the Poodle is there. Mm -hmm. And Gladiola says, hey, if you turn me back in, you'll get some money, and you you can head west. So at those key points where, uh, kind of like in a role-playing game, we're bottlenecked, we don't know what to do. Uh-huh. We've run out of information. Yeah. Grover does something, and something else opens up. Yeah. So, so that's Grover is actually the hero of this. Grover is actually either that or he's an NPC. Yeah. Because I mean, I'd like to think he's the PC. I think I like he's that too. Because yeah. when we start out following Grover in the story, we have, and this is something that I wanted to talk about, was some of the heroism of Grover as well. Mm-hmm. Because we play Grover at the very beginning as this very, like, bullied, needing, yeah. like, Percy feels like he has to defend him type mm-hmm. thing. And But when Percy throws Nancy into the fountain with yeah. the water and Mrs. Dodds comes up to him, mm-hmm. per, uh, Percy is, like, standing there. Grover jumps in front of him and says, it was me. Mm-hmm. I pushed her. Yeah. And, like, 100% just, like, dives in front of Mrs. Dodds. Whether he knows she was a fury at that point or not, like, he jumped in front of a monster for him from right there. And he knows she's a monster because they had that other interaction after detention. Percy got some detention. And he said, just kind of jokingly, I don't even think she's a human. Yeah. Yeah. And Grover goes, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, there's also a secret conversation at the very beginning between uh, Bremer and uh, Grover. Grover, Uh yeah. And, and this isn't a, a five-book arc spoiler to say that everybody, all the main characters in this book level up. They all get better at what they do. Uh-huh. And uh, and Grover levels up a lot. Well, he becomes a searcher at the end of this book, so yeah. I mean, he, already, he already did. Yeah. 
I mean, not to already talk about Star Wars, um, because that comes <laughs> well, up every time by this. But I have my Grover card. We're on Grover. Okay. Yes, no, no, that, I, I was continuing on Grover. It just sounds, uh, it's very reminiscent to me of the theory that, like, the most important character in Star Wars is R2-D2. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he is kind of the R2-D2 of this bunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's, he's the he's the linchpin behind everything. He's the faithful one who's always there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had on my little Grover note card with magic specifically that Grover inadvertently teaches uh, Percy like a protection ward mm-hmm. when they're on the bus uh, yeah. when they first see the the fates. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he does something with his hands. And that is uh, like a magic that he teaches to Percy without even realizing it, because yeah. Percy does that same action to throw the the screen door at Gabe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Grover never does it again. And never does it again. <laughs> um, and then we also have in chapter ten a reference to the fact that satyrs can sense emotions. Yeah. Um, and we also talk about him being able to smell animal, smell monsters, like Diana um, Troy. And talking yeah. to animals, he does that with Gladiola, and yeah. also with. So this clearly uh, druid spells. So. Yeah, yeah. Which, um, it talks about him being able to smell monsters, and also like completely fails over and over again at that. Mm-hmm. It's like in the arch in Krusty's mattress emporium, like he yeah. has this ability that he just like completely fails to use. Well, and in the arch, <laughs> I agree that he fails to smell like the chimera, but yeah. Echidna is actually, like, the child of primordial gods. Uh-huh. And so she's, like, on the same level as some of the gods yeah. when it comes, like... So, like, yeah, she's the mother of monsters. She isn't a monster herself. I mean, she's a, she's a, she's a she, bad guy, she's but... She's monstrous, but... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but he should have known the Chimera was there. Yeah. He, he levels up. Yeah. <laughs> Also, on that subject, when they replace the Chimera with the Hydra in the film, yeah, uh, still one of the one of the monsters associated with Echidna, like one of one of the top three up there with the, the Chimera, and and like she's yeah. a mother of the Hydra as well. Which we changed because they couldn't film in the St. Louis Arch. And <laughs> is that one? Uh, uh, that... Yeah, it was under construction at that point. In that the year that was being remodeled, yeah, it was yeah. being okay. it was being resurfaced and refinished that that year that that movie came out. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Um, yeah, know. had to do some research on that. Um, don't know for sure that that's why they changed why. it, but like that's that was a thing happening in the world at that moment in time. I know. I th- also Cerberus. Also Cerberus is one of her offspring. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you know the Cerberus thing, right? Do uh, I know the Cerberus? The Cerberus thing. Cerberus in Greek is Kerberos, because they don't really have the S sound. Yeah. But uh, Kerberos means spotted. So Cerberus's real name is Spot. <laughs> I believe I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. That's fun. <clears throat> I didn't know that. Classic dog name. Uh, so yeah, Grover. What do you have in your Grover card? I just told you. I okay. read the whole thing. Yeah. Cool. So Grover's clearly a, a druid. A, 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 a druid. A, a druid. A, a druid bard. Multi. Or maybe just a druid. I don't know. I never see him doing it. Like like the Mr. Tumnus put people to sleep thing. Yeah. Yeah. But he does, you know, find path and he plays the music. And, and he does, yeah. I feel and like he's got like one level. He does that other spell with the wild animals in the truck. Yeah. He casts a sanctuary spell on them. 
Yeah. And he says they'll get whatever they need until they find, you know, their place in the wild again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I mean, while we're on that subject, uh, what class is everybody else? Well, Percy's clearly uh, like a fighter warlock multi-class because he has some powers. Yeah. And, again, everybody levels up in the five books, so he gets, you know, those develop more. Right now he doesn't really control them. Do you think he's a fighter, sorcerer, multi-class, or do you think that he is uh, well, he gets- a water genasi? <laughs> no, that's a, no, that's a race. We're talking about classes, yeah. and and just a fighter, and has class yeah, yeah, yeah. class features. Yeah, those could be racial features because he's the son of Poseidon. But, but he definitely two... has some kind of water powers, clearly. Yeah. Uh, and um, and he's a fighter. Yeah. Annabeth is well. Well, wait, hang on though, yeah. because uh, I was going to bring up the debate of okay. uh, is Percy because I I agree warlock. I was going to say paladin. I was, I'm thinking Paladin, too. Certainly Paladin in his... Well... Paladin in his in his sense of goodness and loyalty. Um, but he never does any sort of Paladin spelly things. Except he can heal himself. Yeah. yeah. It's like if he's, he's got, got lay he's hands. in the water. Yeah. yeah. But he can't heal... I don't... I don't know. I don't remember if he heals anybody else. Not in the book. In the, the film, film, he, the film does, he does. But in the book, oh, okay, yeah. he does not. Yeah, well, that film, it's like, that film doesn't exist. It's like the fourth Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> doesn't and, exist. And the one that's coming out soon, too. And the one that's... Oh, God. <sighs> you know who they should have gotten for the fourth Indiana Jones movie? <laughs> who? They should have gotten the grown-up guy who played Short Round. Who yeah. was in, and he would he with the hat. He should have been the main character and everything. Of that film. He Absolutely, should be the main character. Yeah. Um, but but we digress. <sighs> Annabeth clearly a rogue. Whenever Annabeth's in combat, she's invisible and she's backstabbing. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say ranger for Annabeth, but you know I can get it. I like rogue for Annabeth yeah. too. He's crafty. And she's got that tragic family issues backstory. (laughs) (laughs) No parents. Uh Uh, Yeah. I mean, they all do. Like... Yeah, every real, like every yeah. character in this book has a tragic family backstory. I think that's the only thing I wrote on my themes card because I just lost track of all of the themes I wrote in my note card themes, and on the back it just said yeah. parental issues. I think Chiron's a ranger, apart from being a centaur. I okay. think that's his class. Okay, bow and arrow can heal people. That kind of thing. Makes Is sense. Luke also a rogue? Well. I mean, I, you'll, you're going to bring more information to that than we are, but from the first book. Rogue fighter, maybe? Yeah. Definitely a fighter. Yeah, like, rogue fighter, because he's the best swordsman in 300 years. Yeah. So that's not a rogue, but other stuff are clearly roguey. Is that mentioned in the book? In this book, yeah. yeah. Okay. When they say, the, his, first, uh, his first sword lesson in the arena, and uh, Luke says, come up here, Percy. Oh. And another kid says to him, oh, you know, get ready because you're going to get your butt kicked. Yeah. He's the, been, he's the best sword fighter we've had in 300 years. Okay. Yeah. Didn't recall that line. All right. What? So those are classes. <laughs> I would love... Okay, we're going to digress again. I want you guys on board for this. All right. Okay. So, so for those of you who don't know or haven't heard me before, I am, in fact, the DM of of a group that, that these two other people were a part of. I really want to do a uh, 
a D&D campaign that's like Camp Half-Blood-ish. That's like you don't know what your powers are. Everybody's sort of vanilla, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Everyone starts in Hermes' house. Everybody starts, yeah, fight or something. Oh, I'm a fighter. I fight, you know. Yeah, but there's something else about you, too. You just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. And, uh, oh, something that's in these books, which I don't think is a spoiler also, is these guys aren't, well, Grover is because he's a satyr. These guys aren't overtly magical. Yeah. Um, they have magic items that they do things with. Except if you're evil, basically the only spellcasters, the only human spellcasters are evil. Like Luke, he summoned a hellhound. He's and an he's, evil guy. And he summoned the pit. Uh, and he summoned the pit, scorpions. the pit scorpions. And in future uh, books, all the spell, all the human spellcasters they meet, right, are bad guys. Are, are we not considering Percy's uh, water control abilities as, as magical? Um, yeah, I was going to say Percy Percy is a major exception to that if, yeah, if you talk about yeah. him learning how to use his powers throughout yeah. to control the water, to attack the, yeah. the hog, to mm-hmm. to yeah. heal himself, to stay dry, yeah. to, to make himself be wet when he would normally mm-hmm. stay dry. Like Which is an interesting because, you know, is that a racial to use a D&D term. Is that because he's a demigod or because he's... These are your son of Poseidon powers. Yeah. You know, and these are your class abilities. Yeah. If we do a Camp Half-Blood game, would would you go into it knowing as the DM what our, what our godparents are or would you, like, do a wild magic surge and, and decide it that way? That's a brilliant idea. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Just, I have to look something up here. Totally, <laughs> totally randomized. Yeah. Yeah, my wife would be into that. She's into random things. Yeah. Oh, let's roll and see who you're. Yeah. You know, and drop clues along the way, and then when somebody actually gets uh, recognized, determined. Yeah. Then that's like a big deal. Yeah. You know. I mean, you could just do a modified setting in Mythic Odysseys of Theros, which is a pre-written like yeah. Like myth no, I have anyway. that book. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like that's basically already done for you. And and you could all be you know little level zero and level one characters here at the training camp, and then somebody comes in and says, "I need a hero to do a quest." Me, yeah. me, me, <laughs> me, I want to die. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. What else we got? What else we got? Let me look at my next. Yeah, Steve. Steve read this uh, book this morning in dog-eared pages, so that's that's really what I want to get into. Okay. Is his dog ears? He puffed out a few notes, but it still sounded like Hillary Duff. Yeah, we went over that. Um, oh, I wonder if this is a feature of monsters. Mm-hmm. All of the monsters that he talks to. Mm. And that have conversations with him, mm. n- none of them lie. Mm. They tell the truth. Echidna says, um, "You don't have any faith," and at that time he doesn't. Uh-huh. Right? It would be better off if you just died right here because the gods are using you. The gods are manipulating you, and they are. Yeah. And Medusa says the same thing. The gods are manipulating you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All throughout the the monsters speak the truth. All throughout the gods can lie, like Ares lies. Other people lie, but apparently monsters just tell you the truth before they try to kill you. It yeah. does seem that way, and it seems like, yeah, even one 
once we actually know Luke is a villain and he does his little villain monologue at the I'm end. And the lightning thief. <laughs> Um, No, his monologue at the end is kind of cool, and whenever I read it out loud to the kids, I I start acting and going a little crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I had my list with the monsters and trying to, like, associate them with specific people and things like that, Um, where we have the first introduction of Mrs. Dodds as a fury very closely connected with Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the Minotaur that takes his mom. We have the Hellhound, which we later figure out has been summoned by Luke. Um, we have Medusa and, um, like, finding Grover's uncle dead there. <laughs> Looks like a lot like my Uncle Ferdinand. Yep. Um, we have Echidna, who says specifically that... Zeus let her do this. Like she specifically really? says, yes. And we need, so, so we need, we need a, a page reference here. Mm. Yes. So in chapter thirteen, I plunge to my death. I love the chapter titles in this book. I do too. They're very um, cliffhangery. Mm-hmm. Like I'll read this to a class and I'll say, you know, and tomorrow I'll read chapter thirteen. I plunge to my death. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. All right, so in my book, it's on page 208. The snake lady made a hissing noise that might have been laughter. Be honored, Percy Jackson. Lord Zeus rarely allows me to test a hero with one of my brood. Hmm. For I am the mother of monsters, the terrible echidna. Isn't that some kind of anteater? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So. That is like. If not. If not commissioning, at least allowing. Yes, and I feel like if if it is commissioning, this is the third direct assault on Percy that Zeus has made. Because lightning hit his lightning car yeah. with the Minotaur attack, yeah. and lightning hit the bus with the Fury attack. Well, he thinks that Percy has the lightning bolt. Yeah. Percy has the master bolt. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, I want to circle back around to... Um, the monster is not lying, and Medusa saying the gods are manipulating you. Because if we're going to say the monsters don't lie, I feel like we have to get into some further subtext behind what's actually going on in the plot. Because as we find out at the end, I don't think the gods ever really manipulate Percy at all. Ares does. Yeah, but he hasn't met Ares at that point. Because, like, Zeus... So if we're taking everything at face, uh, mm-hmm. face value... Zeus thinks he stole the bolt. He's angry at him. Yes. Yeah. Poseidon doesn't want anything to do with him because Poseidon doesn't want to fight with Zeus. So Poseidon... Mm, no, because is... Chiron says your father needs you. Poseidon is manipulating him. Yeah. Because one of the big, great, you know, don't speak to me of the deep magic which rules is gods can't fight each other directly. Uh-huh. They have to use minions. Yes. And so uh, it's like... Uh, Poseidon's going, I know he didn't have anything to do with this. I know I didn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. But, you know, so I need to use this kid to find find out the truth, what actually happened. And what's funny is at the end, when he does, and they know that it's Kronos, Zeus doesn't accept it. Yeah. He says, man, we're not talking about this anymore. Case closed. Yeah. So. And at, in the end, does Percy ever even mention Luke to the gods? Hmm. 
I don't think he does. He does in the movie. Yeah. And then, and then the guy that we haven't been introduced to as Hermes goes, huh? Me? Oh. <laughs> Son of Hermes. Huh? Huh? Uh, I mean, yeah, because the Luke revelation happens after yeah, yeah, yeah. he's delivered the lightning bolt. Because yeah. he delivers the lightning bolt, then goes back to camp, and that's yeah, he just says Luke... it was it was Kronos manipulating Ares. Yeah, because he believes that Ares was the was the key of that, which we still don't know wh- who Ares would have used at that point. If mm-hmm. and so the gods are just left to be like it was Ares. It was Ares. Yeah, yeah. I mean. In that case, though, what does the manipulation of Poseidon look like? Because, like, Poseidon really doesn't do a lot up until, like, St. Louis, where he sends the well, Naiad and the Naiad talks well, to him. Well, he saves his life from the fall in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, in a very technical sense, if he heals when he touches water, would yeah. he would he not have, like, hit the water and yeah. been injured and then healed yeah. himself? Yeah. Like, did did Poseidon actually save him, is or did he just... Is that racial, or is that an intervention? Yeah, yeah. because Percy's like, yeah. he saved me, my father saved me, yeah. and it's like, but also, like... Yeah. Well, the pearls, certainly. Yeah. And the naiad, and the summons, go to Santa... And it always cracks me up. You must go to Santa Monica. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm sure for somebody in the Midwest or New York... That sounds very uh, yeah. Sounds very exotic, but yeah. for us, it's like Santa Monica, right? Really? Oh, yeah. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to Santa. <laughs> I don't want and to. what she even says, it's like, "What are you doing? Don't you know how polluted that water is?" Yeah. She's wading out into it. Um, yeah, she's like, "This water is too gross for me." Yeah. In the river, and then he walks into the ocean and in, Santa in the Monica. Ocean, Santa Monica. It's like, yeah. Ugh. yeah. But uh, so yeah, there's. Well, at the end, it's the stakes are getting escalated, and so he has to like more directly. But but even with um, again, I don't know if this is in this book or not. But Annabeth talks about her mother guiding her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she does. It's like they're and always. She says she yeah. brought she brought me to two friends yeah. and it's Luke and Thalia. Yeah. 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 I was a little shocked that Athena never showed up in this book. It's like I thought at least she'd make an appearance in uh, in Olympus, but yeah. No, we only have. Zeus and Poseidon yeah. in the throne room, and that's it. And then Ares and Hades, those are... And he, Mr. D. he meets... I was thinking about this on the drive over here. I don't think he ever talks to Persephone, but Persephone... Like in the movie, I was thinking about the yeah. movie. Because Persephone's not in this, because it's summer. Yeah. yeah. And um, But Persephone's not an Olympian, also. I think he basically has interactions over the five books with every Olympian. Uh-huh. So you'll get your Athena. Okay, we're gonna take Aphrodite or scarf back at <laughs> some point. You know, in the um, in the in the attic where the Oracle is, there's all these souvenirs. Uh-huh. You know, so, you know this shield broken, Leroy died, or yeah. you know, and there's something else. In one of the other books, he goes up there and he sees the scarf. Yeah. Annabeth put the scarf up, up in the attic. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So are these all just souvenirs? From these are all souvenirs quests? from previous quests. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And he has a little he has a little flack because because he picks up the scarf and sniffs it and goes, you know, like that. And she grabs it and says, "No love magic for you." And she pulls it and she stuffs it away. Uh huh. And and then he goes up there on a different in a different book for a different quest and he sees the scarf there and it gives him the flashback mm-hmm. of, oh yeah, you know. That was the thing that happened. That was the thing that happened. Yeah. yeah. Huh. 
Okay, can I, let's talk. Can I talk about ages? Yes. Okay, so there's five books. Yeah. Um, the Lightning Thief. They are twelve years old. Yes. Because at the end of his birthday is always is, is the end of August, so yeah. it always happens around the end of camp. Sorry, I thought we had mentioned that like uh, Annabeth was a couple of years older. I thought she was like fourteen in this book. Annabeth, because I looked again. Annabeth is was seven when she came to camp. Uh huh. She has five beads. So she's twelve. Oh, so I thought she had seven beads. For she's seven. also twelve. Huh. Okay. So in the first book, they they're twelve, turning thirteen. Uh huh. In the second book, they're thirteen, turning fourteen. Yeah. The third book takes place in the winter, which is also my favorite book, *Titan's Curse*. I love it. Uh, my least favorite book is the next one, not because it's bad, just because, like uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, I don't like island hopping books. And then we went here, and then we went there. Uh, but this, you, this is a very island hopping. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I was going to bring that is. up earlier. Yeah. Like. And uh, well, we can talk about that in the <laughs> fifth book. So it's a summer camp. So he's twelve going on thirteen in the first book. He's thirteen going on fourteen. The third book's in the winter, so he's still fourteen. At the end of the fifth book, he turns 15. At the end of the sixth book, he turns 16. Okay. And you're always hoping that, oh, I hope this doesn't become a romance kind of thing. They're 12. Yeah. Yeah. So Uh you're not going to hate it until the last book. (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's something I hated in the movie was like just the age. Then we'll get into the politics of incest. Like, well. They actually address that. They're first cousins. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. They are first cousins, but uh, it, apparently it's not considered incestuous unless you're you're god. You have the same godly parent. Uh huh. Okay. So, because those are your half brothers and sisters. Yeah. yeah. Whew. Anyway. What are the details of that? All right. Well, cross that bridge later. Uh, so before I move on and actually talk about the things in this book, I have one last non-spoilery question okay. uh, for you who've read all of them. Yeah, they all die. Um, I assume. <laughs> Uh, so what I want out of this series is like, uh, something I really enjoyed about, uh, Harry Potter and why I thought the series was so good. I so want to talk about Harry Potter. (laughs) There are too many podcasts that do that. We'll never do Harry Potter. No, but no, I don't mean, no, no, but I want to talk about this book in Harry Potter. Go ahead. Uh, Uh, my question being, does it in any way do in this series what Harry Potter did where like as the kids grow older like we deal with more mature themes and the writing gets a little bit the writing kind of grows with the audience and the characters or do we have the same kind of reading level throughout it um in terms of the actual like reading like vocabulary and syntax and yeah. all the things that like oh you know this book is too complicated for you to understand it's all written at the at the fourth and fifth grade level okay but most newspapers are written at the fifth grade level yeah so they consider fifth grade level basically what adults read at yeah these days which you know is a commentary on our educational system certainly yeah, yeah no i mean when i joke about people die characters do die right you know yeah, no, it gets it gets kind of heavy, and it gets it starts to get heavy in Titan's Curse, which is why I like it so that I book mean, so much. It starts it's, to get heavy in Chapter Three when his mom dies. Yeah, that's know, true. Like yeah. Chapter Two. Yeah, like. that's one of the things that really hits when I read it to them. Yeah, is uh, the scene where he says, "I don't care about the," you know, he says to himself, "Yeah, no, I don't care about this quest. I don't care about anything. I just want my mother back," and that always hits 
fifth grader's heart. Yeah. And the other one was when he's in the Lotus Hotel and Casino and he's forgetting his life. And they said, what was my mother's name? Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And for a second, he can't remember his mother. And that that hits hard also. It's like, wow. Yeah. Okay. You know? Let's let I get that out of the way. Because uh, as, as problematic as uh, J.K. Rowling might be, I think that's something she did really well in writing the series. Is like the reading level goes up with mm-hmm. the character ages. And like book seven is a very different beast than book one is. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, there's a... And, and, Honestly, I've never read... I read 90 pages... Okay. This book, I read the first one, two, three... The first four paragraphs, and it has me hooked. Uh-huh. Right? I read 90 pages of the first Harry Potter book, and I put it down. <laughs> wow. Because okay. it's like... Hot take I'm sorry, Steve here. If you haven't hooked me in 90 pages, then I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna give you my, you know... Yeah, that's, the first one though, like it's days of my life. Yeah. I'm not gonna get back. Yeah, don't, kind of thing. don't, don't. The first one, just start with book three. It's kind of like Star Trek. Just start with season yeah. two. Yeah. yeah, start, start, start. Deep Space Nine with season three when yeah. Worf comes. I, yeah. I, I disagree with both of you, but anyway, um, um, we're but, not talking. Interestingly, now that as long as we're, I getting, mean, uh, you want to make that argument about Dresden too? You're like, yeah, just skip the first three books. Yes, because Dresden's uh, currently an eighteen book series. I just say skip the first book in Dresden because he drew, he wrote that one on a dare. Yeah, you know, but then it it gets like good. Yeah, uh-huh. um, but but Rick Riordan has been called by some the anti J.K. Rowling, because when he receives criticism, uh-huh. he actually accepts it and says, "Yeah, I'll try to do better." He's received criticism for uh, the way he represents disabled people, uh-huh. and uh, or should I say, people with disabilities, uh-huh. and uh, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, I think you're right." The original genesis of this book was his own son was diagnosed with ADHD and the only thing his hyperfixation was mythology the only thing he was interested in and he had dyslexia he had a lot of reading problems and he says you know I'm gonna write you a book hmm. uh-huh. and and he turned it into you know what you have isn't a disability it's actually your superpower yeah which is a a trope that a lot of people don't like you know yeah. like autism is my superpower kind of thing yeah um, and and he's accepted that criticism and say and in, in later books it's kind of downplayed and there are whole other series right there's this Percy Jackson and the Olympians there's another series which I read the first book of which is Egyptian mythology uh-huh. and I read the first book and I said yeah this is okay but you know I'm not going to read any more of them uh, those are called the Cain Chronicles and it's a brother and sister and it's all Egyptian gods yeah uh, and then there's a Norse mythology which I rolled my eyes because it's Annabeth's cousin. And it's like, I'm sorry, does, is everyone, you know, it's it's kind of like Star Trek where everyone's Spock's related yeah. to Spock in some way. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Or like Star Wars where we keep meeting the same four people over and over and over <laughs> yeah, again. Exactly. Or we go to the same six planets over yeah, and over and over everyone's again. Everyone's a Palpatine or a Skywalker. Yeah. Um, there's, I read the first book of the Roman series called The Lost Hero. Oh, no, I read both. I read uh, uh, The Lost Hero, which was okay. The second Roman series is called Son of Neptune, and it's about Percy, but he has amnesia. Okay. Yeah. That's a, uh, I mean, the, the whole Roman thing sounds very redundant since the Romans yeah. just copied the Greeks in the first yeah. place. So. He makes it interestingly different enough. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. 
Interesting. And and then there's another series called Trials of Apollo where they're older. And I haven't read that. I know some things about it that I'm not going to say, but I've never read those. Okay. Well, but apparently this is his big, you know, this is his moneymaker. Yeah. This is his. So we can spend the next 10 years just talking about You can spend the next 10 years on Rick Rick's (laughs) books. Yeah. Cool. Our career is secure. (laughs) All right. uh, Let's actually keep talking about the book here. Um, And what you were saying about this is kind of island hopping. It is. Yeah. Um, Because he's trying to grab like the island of the Lotus Eaters and the Lotus Hotel. Uh, There are people here from 1977, kids who have never aged. I talked about that. Uh-huh. I love the Lotus Hotel. It's mm-hmm. cool. Barbara Walters is on page 275. That's another thing that pulls me out of the timelessness of it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It could have been just a generic reporter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think Barbara Walters is dead now. They, yeah. Kids don't know who Barbara Walters is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she was kicking around for like 40 years, though. She, yeah. That covers a pretty large span of time. Let's see. She Gro- died last year. Yeah. She died, yeah. She died six months ago. Really? Yeah. yeah. She died in December, on December 30th, 2022. Yeah. Hmm. I'm a satyr. Oh, we can talk about it. I'm a satyr. We don't have souls like humans do. Oh, we? yes. Grover and the, the soulless Grover. Yeah. Can he really be the main character or the hero of this book if he doesn't have a soul? Let's get into that. Um, well, I think that's why maybe that goes along with my, with my magic corrupts you. Uh-huh. You know, mm. the other D&D game I play in, I play this grumpy paladin. And one of the lines I always say, because my wife plays a wizard, there's another character that plays a wizard, and I say, wizards are like milk. If you just leave them out long enough, they always go bad. Hmm. You know? And so do people with souls get corrupted by magic? Grover doesn't have a soul. And his magical portfolio is very narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I think that's fair. Like, I think that's a fair theme for us to keep an eye out for throughout the entire series, for sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. The corruption of magic. Okay. And the souls. Yeah, I mean, we really don't see any examples of this in this book specifically, but... Well, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's also why all the humans, their their magical effects come from items. Yeah. Like, Percy's got, like, a holy avenger. Yeah. You know, he's got a weapon that... If I just touch... Unless this monster is, like, has legendary saves or something, I can just poke it and it dissolves. Yeah. It bursts into dust. Yeah. Did he attack something with it that didn't... Was it Echidna? Who did he... Maybe that's not in this book. No. No. Oh, sorry. Okay, well, yeah. There everything, some... he, yeah everything he successfully attacks in this book. Uh, Even does. Ares. Yeah. I mean, Ares didn't turn into dust, but he bled. Yeah. And briefly was about to show off his, uh, his to, true godlike form. About to flame out, yeah. Yeah. We do have a moment there uh, that I, I wanted to mention with the uh, with the bronze sword. Uh, in chapter one, when Percy's introducing Mr. Brunner, yeah. um, he says he really liked the days when he would bring the sword in and let them swing his bronze sword around. Mm-hmm. And, like, Mr. Brunner would just, like, hand this sword to the kids and let them swing it around. It's knowing, a private school. Knowing, <laughs> well, not, but knowing that it can't hurt them because they're mortals. I don't know. I think those are real swords. I, but, like, that, the whole thing with that, I think, I don't know. It's celestial I, bronze. I want to say I think that it was, like, Riptide and that he was letting the kids swing around a sword that he knew couldn't hurt them. Maybe. Maybe. But could it hurt? A demigod? Can it hurt Percy? Like, is this is this how he was like? Is this how he spots? 
Yes, it's like, ow. Hey guys, <laughs> swing this sword around. Don't worry, it yeah. won't cut you. Oh, oops, sorry. One of the reasons that here's my card. You're it, a half god. Yeah, I don't know if it's said in this book, and I don't think it's hugely spoilery. It's not a plot point, but one of the reasons that gods use heroes, gods can't challenge each other directly. Yeah, uh, but heroes are half human and half god, so they can go anywhere and do anything. Yep. As long as they have, you know, the guts and the power and the ability to yep. back it up. So a hero can challenge a god yep. or a monster or, or a human. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now we talk about that. That's, uh, that's, what that's makes, all spelled out. Yeah. That's yeah. what makes them special. Hmm. At the end, it's on page 345, it says, uh, you must go, child, but first know your mother's been returned. Yes. You'll find her at home. Hades sent her when you recovered his helm. Even the Lord of Death pays his debts. I think Hades often gets a bad rap, both in, you know, finger quotes, real life mythology and in this book, because all th- all of the big three gods uh, swore an oath yeah. not to have any more demigod children, not to have any more children with mortals. Yeah. Zeus and uh, Poseidon both broke their promise. Hades didn't. Here in this book. Here in this yeah. book. <laughs> Yeah, I have my opinions about that. I think he did. Uh, well, that's that's your baseless speculation. Yeah, I mean he's a very he's a very straightforward guy. Like he's not portrayed as necessarily evil. Like he gets screwed over just as much as anybody else he's does. A, he's very lawful. Uh-huh. I don't know if you'd call it lawful. You know, people think he's evil. Maybe lawful neutral. You want to talk about Dini? He's just very. You know, it's like he's he says, "Give me my helm back, and I'll give you your mother back." Yeah. Yeah. And then they, they bamf out of there with their pearls. Yeah. But he gives the helm to the to the Fury and says, You saw it all. Tell your boss what happened. Yeah. And he returns mom. He just she just pops right back right back into her apartment. Yeah. So Yeah. Now there's a uh, here's a reference that three people that listen to this are gonna get, but there's a uh, really great video little video game called Hades, uh, out there, which is very Obviously yeah. steeped in and Greek mythology, Hades is not the main character, but he is a, a recurring theme in it. And in that game, Hades is just portrayed as basically just like a really like really jaded accountant. It's <laughs> <laughs> like no, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like he's kind of portrayed like that yeah, in here too. It's like Do you no, think I need more more followers? Yeah, I like mean, you, come on. you can't get out of hell. Like I'm yeah. so yeah. You asked me a thousand times. No, you can't get out of hell. We're gonna do this again. The like, Magicians is kind of like that, too, if you want to pull in another, you know, the, the TV series. And yeah. I, I, I heard, I listened to the audiobooks. It was a while ago. I need to listen to them again. I don't remember Hades in the books as clearly as in the TV show. Mm-hmm. But he is portrayed as, as, yeah, you know. It's all right. That's the rules. You yeah. know, he doesn't gloat over it. He doesn't wah-ha-ha. Yeah. Like in here, they portray him as, as you know, a cult leader. He right. says he has that crazy look in his eyes that... You know Charles Manson or Hitler had, yeah, and he's yeah he's just a jaded accountant, yeah, <laughs> or in this case a jaded uh, what do they call those guys logistics guy, yeah. You know? So I don't know. I liked Hades' portrayal in this book. He think uh, I think he became one of my favorite characters in the end. Yeah, it's like I hope he comes back. Mm. You notice the silence where I don't say anything. <laughs> Appreciate that because yep. I don't want to spoil anything. Indeed. Uh-huh. Indeed. 
Well, I mean, if our big bad is in Tartarus, we're probably going to end up back yeah. in Hades at some point. At some point. Until he gets out. Yep. <sighs> Do we want to talk about dreams? Sure. It must be hard as a, as a demigod to get a good night's sleep. Yeah. Especially if you're a powerful one like Percy. Because that's basically how everybody communicates to you. Yeah. Is through dreams. Even like Kronos, right? They say Kronos is in Tartarus chopped up and he doesn't have any... All he can do is affect people yeah. psychically. Like even Ares, he says, I don't have dreams. Yep. What do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> Who said anything about dreams? Said, yeah, the kids love that too. Yeah. When I'm shouting, you know, it's like, I am a god of war, but I don't have dreams. And they go, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> So dreams. 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 Um, so I have seven instances of dreams mentioning mentioned in the uh, book. Uh-huh. Uh, two of those are not, three of those are not like actual dreams happening. Like four of them are dreams and three of them are just discussions of dreams. Um, but I had like seven different references. The first one is uh, at the beach at Montauk. With the dream of the golden eagle and the white horse and the golden eagle coming, like, diving down. And then this rumbling laughter from the earth, which we now know Zeus and Poseidon. Zeus is the eagle, Poseidon's the horse. Yes, because Poseidon is the father of all horses, apparently. And that's one of Percy's Poseidon powers, is he can talk to equines. Yep. So he talks to the zebra. No. Does he talk to any other horses in this book? In no this book, no, just the zebra. Okay. I'm, you know, Mr. Bronner. <laughs> hey, look. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Let's not use the H word here. <laughs> um, and then when he's coming to after the Minotaur fight, he has a dream about a bunch of barnyard animals. Um, oh, I think that's just a fever yeah. hallucination. I don't think that's a divine dream. All right. Because <sighs> the thing with the dreams is it's stuff that's happening at that exact time around him. Like, he has mm-hmm. some kind of insight into what's happening around him. Yeah. And so, I don't know. I just thought that that was interesting where it was just mm-hmm. like, what what is he seeing as animals in this, like, setting where he's just come into the camp for the first time? Well, he talks about Grover's wet fur smelling yeah. like, a, like a goat and the Minotaur smelling. So I think that's just that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not a, like like you said, those other dreams, either they're coming from Kronos or they're coming from an Olympian god and they are revelatory. Yeah. And that's just, you know, cracking a joke, I think. No. Um, then we have the gaping pit where he's being pulled towards the pit, but it's actually something climbing up out of the pit um, and taunting him, offering him his mother. Yeah, and Um, that's prophetic because that actually happens later where he's about to get pulled into the pit by the booby-trapped shoes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. in order to bring the lightning bolt down into the pit. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's being told, bring me the lightning bolt in that. Um, And so that one I feel like is very much like like, Kronos is directly trying to communicate to him. Like, mm-hmm. I will give you your mother for the lightning bolt. Yeah. And he's perceiving it as being Hades. He's yeah. assuming it's Hades. And, but... and Kronos is lying because yeah. he doesn't have Percy's mother. Yeah. 
But when he tells that dream to the others, that we have the conversation about that dream, is when we have the first indication that Annabeth suspects this isn't Hades. She's putting it together and she won't talk about it because she's freaked out too much. Yeah, well, and that brings us back to, like, the power of names. Like, she's not going to say the name of Kronos. And, like, we even have the shadow fall when, when... at Camp Half Blood, yeah. when Percy says it to Luke, I think I think the shadow falls in the throne room of Olympus when he says it. Also, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And and I want to come back to that reference to the shadow falling because what is it that stops Ares from killing Percy? Like, is because there's like a darkening of the sky. Yeah, that's is, Kronos. No, is don't that Kronos? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Kronos. Why is Kronos protecting Percy? Because Percy, if Percy's dead, he can't be manipulated anymore. Yes, but if Ares kills Percy, Poseidon might retaliate, and he might still get his war among the gods. Yeah, and I can't tell you anymore because that has to do with a prophecy you haven't heard about yet. Cool. The big prophecy. Um, But it does make sense once you hear about it. The the great, capital G, capital P, the great prophecy. The really big dream that happens is when he has his dream of Thalia. And... Thalia speaks to him in his dream. Yeah, she's in the straitjacket. Yeah. yeah, so like he, it starts like his normal stress dream about taking a test while he's tied up in a straitjacket, but then mm-hmm. it deviates, he looks over, and Thalia's there, mm-hmm. and she's like, well, what are you going to do, seaweed brain? One of us has to get out of here. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, and he gets up, and he dreams on purpose, mm-hmm. and this is the first time that he is guiding himself in yeah. in this dream Lucid state. Lucid dreaming, yeah. And he, and he goes and he s- hears Kronos talking to his servant. and Who we don't know is Luke yet. And I was going to ask, do we think that this is Luke or do we think that this is Ares? But we know it's Luke be- based it's, on later when Luke's I think Luke's it's like, Luke. Yeah. And I also yeah. think it's Luke because he says that Percy, like... Luke says it's, or the voice says, it's impossible. How could he do that when Kronos says he's here? Yeah. And Kronos says it may be impossible for a weakling like you. You, yeah. But, but he, but, <laughs> but he can he do it. he is a child of the big three. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess is the, if this book had a moral, is it just communication? We could solve all these problems if people just talk to each other. <laughs> Yeah. It's like the gods if don't parents, talk to each other. Isn't, yeah. isn't that the, the, the plot of basically every major sitcom? Yeah. Is not that this is a sitcom, mm-hmm. this is more of an epic, but people just there's always a misunderstanding. Yeah. 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 I mean that's that the uh the old joke, like uh ninety percent of Seinfeld never would have happened if cell phones existed. Yeah. Like <laughs> put cell phones in, that show can't work. Yeah. But monsters can track technology, so we can't <laughs> monsters well that's that's the convenient way of not having to use cell phones. Yeah. Is, oh yeah. If you if you if you're a half-blood and you use a cell phone, that's just like, you know, sending up a flare. Come eat me. So. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know why. Don't, I'm not sure about the whole techno-magical, you know, how that all works, but apparently. Yeah. I mean, Kronos is very much the elephant in the room here, and, like, the fact that nobody wants to talk about him is going to create, I'm sure, a lot of the conflict in the yeah. next few books. Um I, I don't know, obviously, if Kronos is going to be the big bad throughout the entire series or if he gets replaced by somebody else, but... 
we also have uh, Aries saying, who said anything about dreams, like, Air, like you know, or Aries mentions, I don't dream, and Percy's, mm-hmm. who said anything He's about dreams. Dream. Yeah. Um, and then we also have Luke mention that he dreams as well. Yeah. Does he say he came to me, after I failed, he came to me in dreams and punished me? Uh, on page 366 is when he mentions dreams. Send someone nightmares. Afterwards, the Lord of the Titans, he punished me with nightmares. Mm. So, yeah. that's That sounds horrible. Yeah. yeah. So, if we have... Uh, and, again, if there's some great prophecy, like, whatever, we'll get to it. Why, why was the Hellhound summoned to attack Percy? Mm, that's a good question. Like, that was, was that just to prompt a claiming, or was that to actually try to kill him and if so why did he why did Kronos then protect him later or was it a oh. I think it's a prop the quest yeah. like it has to make Percy believe he's not safe in the camp so it gives him more reason to or to make Chiron believe he's not safe in the yeah. camp yeah. yeah or it could be part of the, the Hades frame up too because hellhounds come from the underworld yeah, yeah. does the back of your book have this a little preview of the Sea of Monsters. Little, yeah, I've got like one chapter. Does it have a little teaser? I don't even think it's a chapter. Uh, Work Rovers in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm. Super, I didn't read it. I'm super stoked about the next book because of like if we have a Florida sequence, I can speak to that so Florida. much. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, they end up. They end up in Miami. Fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of water in Florida. It's Percy's Apparently own. there's a lot of centaurs in the Everglades, too. All right. That makes sense. Oh, one of the things I want to mention in here is, uh, you know, the mist, you know. And throughout this book, as he starts to understand more, when he's on the train, he, he sees, sees the centaurs he and... sees a giant lion, like the Nemean lion. He sees a centaur family. He yeah. see, and he looks around and he goes, oh, yeah, everybody's looking at their phones and, and laptops. Nobody's looking with their eyes. Yeah. This is Nobody. a commentary on technology and yeah. how it's dulling our senses. Nobody our can see. Do you yeah. think the technology is just a tool of the gods as an as a implementer of the mist? I don't know. I know that I can't remember the exact ancient Greek philosopher who was very anti-writing mm-hmm. because it would he said don't teach your children to write it will destroy their memories. Yeah. <sighs> and I guess there's a certain amount of truth to that because when I was a kid uh, I had at least half a dozen phone numbers memorized. Yeah. I still have the same half dozen phone numbers <laughs> <Yeah>. memorized. <laughs> I still and, have this. And I can't list. remember any. I don't even know my wife's phone number. I have to look it up. I don't know the last. I know the. I know all of the numbers in his phone number. I don't know the order know that the they order. go in. Yeah. <laughs> There's only a few thousand possible. Probably yeah. more than that. Probably a few million possible permutations of those numbers. No, I mean because I know. I know the area code. I know <coughs> the first three. Okay. okay. And then the last four, I know what they are. Uh, Okay. I just don't know what order so they go in. So there's four, twelve, nine thousand. No. It's only four numbers. Uh-huh. It's four separate numbers in four positions. So oh, okay. it's four, twelve, twenty-four possible number. Okay. Twenty-four possible phone numbers. Yeah. So if she ever had to contact me in an emergency, it'd only take her like an hour sitting there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or you know. Or you just. I would call one of the numbers I do have memorized, <laughs> like yeah. my mother or my father or my brother or my sister-in-law. Or you just tell your phone to call Chris. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Anyway, uh, so I don't know. While we're, I, I feel like we're not doing a lot of a structured discussion. So I have a random thing I wanted to bring up. Okay. Um, again, 
if you can avoid spoilers, Dave, but uh, so this is mainly a Christian question. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I was thinking about in this book is um, how, how often and how much does Zeus really show up? Because Reardon is very, uh, I mean, at least he seems like he tries to be very uh, accurate as far as, like, the mythology and, like, very true to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the mythology, Zeus is a notorious shapeshifter. He appears as all kinds of different things in people. Yeah. But that's usually to seduce and or rape women. Yes. Um, and I was thinking, does Zeus actually show up in some other guys in this book in some fashion? Do you think he's like the bell help, help hop on the elevator bringing Echidna <laughs> up to the yeah. top of the arch? Yeah. Like, um, do you think he's the building super? Not, not to spoil anything, but I did say already that basically Percy has interactions with all the Olympians, uh-huh. like at least conversations, right? Uh-huh. With all the Olympians, not Persephone; she's not an Olympian, but I just you know it's Dionysus and the big three and Aphrodite and Athena and Ares. We're gonna test you. Can you get the rest of them? Hephaestus. <laughs> uh, I could probably get the rest of them. Hera. There's a thing with Hera. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but. Zeus usually appears at the beginning or the end. Yeah. They usually they bookend the gods, the the big three gods. I mean, Poseidon is not a me. Poseidon. Okay, to use a Star Wars reference, you know, search for Skywalker. Right? They didn't find him until the very end. Yeah. Because if they'd found him in the middle, the movie would have been about him from yeah. then on. Right. Yeah. So right. if you put Zeus in the middle of the book, it becomes about him. Yeah. Or Poseidon even in the middle of the book, it becomes about Poseidon. It doesn't become about Percy. Right. So, it's it like in this book, it's usually like, okay, here's what happened on the quest, here's the stuff, here's the thing, here's what I did, you know, and Zeus says, okay, tell me your story and I'll decide whether to reward you or kill you. Yeah. And it's, uh, that's basically it. Yeah. Because uh, yeah, I, I had thought maybe Zeus shows up at some point and like, you know, we, at, in book five, find out all these times Zeus was there just manipulating it things was behind Zeus him. all along. Which, um, I mean, there's a uh, great quote from the X-Files that I bring up all the time. I know the, we, a reference we don't make very often. Um, but there's a quote from that show where the company says something like, if coincidences are just coincidences, why do they always seem so contrived? Hmm. Um... And that was a lot of my feeling reading this book of like, yes, it's an island hopping story and I get that it's following the Odyssey, but so much of it seems so contrived yeah. that I was just like, how much is Zeus really playing behind the scenes here? Because yeah, well, and I, I, one of part of my, my quick read slash skim this morning was because I knew you had that issue. Uh-huh. So I said, okay, so Zeus attacks him on the bus. Right? Uh-huh. Bus gets struck by lightning. They end up running away from the Furies. Mm-hmm. Grover does a find a path, and they find Medusa's place. Yeah. I think that's probably... (sighs) Who would lead them there? That's helping them on their quest. Because if they survive Medusa, they level up. And also, they get the address to the underworld. They don't know... All they know is go west. They don't even know Los Angeles. Yeah. If I was going to... I would put the underworld in, you know... Bakersfield. <laughs> Some horrible Death place. Death Valley. Death Valley, yeah. Um, so I don't know who did that. Who do you think did that? Poseidon? 
No, because like there, there's well, three big ones that I can think of. Of like, you you can very much. Uh, I mean, St. Louis Arch can be a coincidence. That can be fine. Like, it's it's a major hub city. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, they're... let's just give that to Grover Grover Magic. Then. Yeah, Grover Magic. Find a path. Yeah. Okay. You know, if he's a wild magic guy, he rolled a 20, right? Well, I'll give you a path. I'll tell you exactly where you need to go. Yeah. You need to go to this address in L.A. Yeah. Right? And then uh, Gladiola is also Grover Magic. Right. They get the means, and that gets them to St. Louis. Yeah. St. Louis is a side quest, you know, it's hijinks. Yeah. And um, it's co- consistent, uh, Athena is the god of, like, artisans and skill workers and architecture mm-hmm. and stuff yeah. like that. And so, so Annabeth and wanting to go, yeah. and Annabeth wanted to be an architect, and she wants to go see the arch. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but he does get the, oh, before you go to this place, so there's a Poseidon intervention. He mm-hmm. says, okay, before you go into the underworld, go to the pier at Santa Monica. Yeah. Because you need to be equipped for this. Right. Um, Denver is Ares. Uh-huh. And by extension, Kronos, because they have to get... They the have to give Percy the bolt. Right. They give Percy the bolt in the backpack. He mm-hmm. said the backpack's the sheath for the bolt, and it's like a little uh, bag of holding. Yeah. Uh, that gets them to Las Vegas... Who who did the Lotus Hotel, or was that just a side quest? Also, it seems like they just stumble into the Lotus Hotel. It seems like they just stumble into the Lotus Hotel. Yeah. But that's like the Lotus Hotel comes back in other books too. Oh. It's not a one-off, and it's kind of a cool concept uh-huh. because it's a way to time travel. You go in there. I mean, you can't go back, but you can go forward in time. Yeah, because you can go in there, and it feels like three weeks to you, and it could be a hundred years. Okay, so. And then uh, the Mattress Emporium, they just kind of end up in there. Well, they go to L.A., they go to Santa Monica. It gives them the map. They get on the bus to West Hollywood. Yeah. And they're wandering around, and the Mattress Emporium gives them the map. Oh, it's right around the corner. Yeah. So I don't know, who who was that? Zeus, Poseidon, Athena? Uh Uh-huh. Somebody, somebody did that. Yeah. Somebody sent the gang down the street. Yeah. So they would run away from them and run into the mattress important. Yeah. I, I guess my entire point is, is like, regardless of who wants to f- see them fail or kill them or whatever, like, they have a lot of help throughout this whole thing. They do. And yeah. I feel like there's somebody pulling strings that's uh, trying well, to help yeah. them out. Yeah. And, like, not being overt about it because gods can't influence these things. Yeah. So I just, I'm curious as to who that is and if we find out who that is at some point. In, in, a, in, a, later, in a later book... One of the gods reminds Percy, and it's not his dad. Another god says, "Remind Percy." He says, "We're not allowed to interfere." Uh-huh. It's like you know, it's like you're here. Why can't you just help me? You know, mm-hmm. you're all powerful. And it's yeah. like I'm not allowed to interfere. Yeah, but I'll, I can give you this little piece of information. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I can tell you, I can tell you next steps. but yeah. I can't wave my hand to make it happen for you. I, I mean, is this like a? And I feel like this is kind of like a major players in Dresden situation of the angels show up and they're just like, oh yeah, we're not allowed to do anything. Kind of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of. But while we're not allowed to do anything, here's something you might here's find interesting. Here's something you might think about of doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Kristen's looking in the book for something. Well, I was just saying, I was just thinking, we specifically have, because you were talking about what got them to Krusty's, 
mm-hmm. was them running away from the kids that attacked yeah. them. Yeah. When Percy pulled out his sword and swung it, it at a mortal work and on, didn't on hurt normal, on normals, yeah. Um, those kids are described as like the bullies from Yancey. Yeah, that's which true. then in my head parallels to like Ares kids and stuff like that. Yeah, and I maybe. feel like it might be some kind of Ares influence there. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because Ares wants him to get to the underworld. Yeah. Yeah. And so Ares used so Ares. So let me he find stirred some, up some angry yeah, youngsters you yeah. to to drive them in there. Because that's his. Because he Percy even says his presence is pissing me off. Yeah. He's making me angry on purpose, and I need to control myself. Yeah. I kind of want Percy to just get fed up, and like the last three books in this series are just him going on a quest to kill all the gods. It's like, <laughs> no, Luke's right. They all got to go. Let's. Uh, <laughs> I haven't read any of it, but this morning I was doing a little Rick Reardon research, and uh, there's a, just a horrible amount of fan fiction out there. <laughs> and it's basically horrible. Yeah. <laughs> As most fan fiction. As most fan fiction is. Shall I get another card? Get another card. What do you got? Um, I had just some fun connections, like actually going into mythology and stuff like that. Can we can we call them fun actions? No, because some of them are just like gross and weird too. Okay. Can we call them gross action? We have a lot of parallels here to, like, myths, where we have a hero defeating mm-hmm. Medusa. We have a hero yeah. defeating, you know, Procrustes. And so some of these um, stories kind of, like, parallel to specific ones. I wanted to talk about a couple of things. We have mention of, like, the rivalry between Athena and Poseidon mm-hmm. by Annabeth, specifically talking about the city of Athens and, and yeah. their, their contest for that. Mm-hmm. But we also have... In mythology, the story of Medusa being an uh, like an acolyte or a follower of Athena mm-hmm. and Poseidon. I used to date your daddy. Poseidon has quote, sex with movie. her in yeah. Athena's temple, in the temple. and yeah. defiles the temple. Yeah. yeah, and that is why Athena punishes. Yeah, because I can't punish Poseidon, so it's yeah. all on you. She punishes babe. Medusa. Yeah. And early, early versions of that story don't frame it as a rape, and so it makes sense that yeah. she would also punish her, but, like, later versions of the story frame it as a rape. Um, but, like, when you when you look at that kind of thing, the, like, that first major conflict that the party has as a group is Medusa, is Medusa where you have Athena's child yeah. and Poseidon's child facing this monster that Athena created yeah. as a punishment for what she did with Percy's dad. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is interesting. Yeah. And Annabeth even says, you have to kill her. I can't even get close to her. Yeah. She's going to tear me to shreds because yeah. of my mom. Because it was her mom that did this yeah. to her. Yeah. So I found that interesting. And the hero that in tradition killed Medusa is named Perseus. It's Perseus, yeah. Um, so we have that kind of like... Does, does it say in this book why he's named Perseus? No, no. Uh, his mother, his mother named him Perseus because that is one of the few heroes that had a happy ending. Mm. Perseus yeah. rescues Andromeda from the Kraken, yeah, and they live happily ever after. Yeah. And heroes, I think they say in here, heroes rarely have a, a, a good end. Yeah, no. you know, certainly not Houdini. Yeah, <laughs> not Houdini punched in the gut, man. <laughs> um, and Amelia Earhart. Yeah. 
Shakespeare. Shakespeare. Yeah. Amelia Earhart's, they mentioned, you know, how they do these offhand things. Yeah. You know? You'd be surprised all of the people that you know that are half bloods. What child of Athena has ever done anything great? And she reels off a couple things, and one of them's Amelia Earhart. Do we find out that Hilary Duff is a demigod, uh, though? I don't know. <laughs> who's the, I was going to say, who's the god of bards? I guess that would be Dionysus. In the tradition mm-hmm. stories of the Minotaur and also Procrustus, mm-hmm. those are both defeated by a son of Poseidon. Really? Yeah, by Theseus. Both oh, of those both are Theseus, are Theseus. Okay. and um, that's, that's Poseidon's son as well. So this is this is Procrustus and the Minotaur being defeated again by like mm-hmm. two half brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's interesting. I was also thinking about uh, you know the big three uh, and Zeus is, is you know they cast a lot but Z- why is Zeus like the king of the gods? He's the youngest. Yeah. He's the youngest of all of them. But he's the one that saved them all from Yeah. From yeah. the stomach of their father, he's the Titan. A, he's the plucky young upstart. Yeah. And it made me think of, like, uh, Children of Israel, right? Yeah. Joseph, who's the youngest, but ends up... Being the king, yeah. Yeah, lording over all of them. Yeah. So there's... That's that, a very common thing in a lot a, of different myths. Like, to thing. have the youngest yeah. of 12 be yeah. the, the leader of the 12. The leader, yeah. So you got any other myths there? So um, no, no, no. Those yeah. were Those were my main ones that I wanted to talk about, was specifically being, like, the Minotaur and Procrustus both being defeated by sons of Poseidon. Well, the same son of Poseidon, that Theseus. Uh-huh. But mainly that Medusa one I wanted to talk about. In, in the acknowledgments in the back here, thanks to my elder son, Haley Michael, who heard the story first. So that's, you know, the one who just, the only thing he cared about was mythology. Yeah. Um, but, but, but thanks to, and, and the, one, the thing that's really good about this book, apart from the things that, fix it in time is I think he does a really good job uh, sounding like a middle schooler mm. and and it says uh, thanks to my cadre of middle school beta testers <laughs> and then my appreciation to Professor Egbert J. Baker classicist so that's where he got all that stuff yeah. from it's like you know who can I who can I have him go up against well you know how about Pro- I'd never heard of Procrustes before I read this yeah nor that's, I, I you yeah. know I've heard of the Minotaur. Most people have heard of the Minotaur. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Procrustes, who's that? Yeah. So, Classic. Classicist, yeah. <laughs> so a guy, he's just, oh, yeah, the Greek myth professor. Interesting, because when I, when I was researching, like, the connections and, and who mm-hmm. where these characters had come up before and who yeah. had defeated them, uh, that's... That's how I found out about Echidna being a daughter of Titans and not of gods um, and stuff like that. In that whole thing, it in I think it was the Britannica article about Procrustus that specifically was like, you know, the adjective Procrustean is used mm-hmm. for this specific type of like someone who is an arbitrary forced conform to rules type thing. And I was yeah. like, never heard that word, but okay, I guess it's an adjective like. And, uh, yeah, apparently it's a... Someone who arbitrarily... Like, yeah, I like that. I'm yeah. going to use that at yeah. my next staff meeting. <laughs> <laughs> These procrustean policies. Yeah. Yep. It's like the word draconian. Yeah. You know, came from a guy named Draco who was... Oh, you, you, you jaywalked. Yeah, murder. You know, execution for jaywalking. You know, someone who's draconian. Yeah. Uh, um, we have... 
Oh, we talked about trophies earlier. Mm-hmm. Where does the Minotaur's horn end up? Like, in this book, it's not referenced again outside of... Percy like, has it. Yeah, but, like, is he carrying it on him this whole time? Or is he storing it somewhere? Does it's it end in, up in the attic? Like, uh, It's in his cabin. Yeah. It's in a shoebox in his cabin. Oh. Yeah. Cabin yeah. three. I just, I just found it interesting that we never came back to that when it was mentioned multiple times yeah, at the beginning. No, like yeah, the, you'd think. It felt like, like it was going to be a plot point later yeah, that yeah. he was like going to when like, I saw the D&D movie and I saw the girl had this amulet of invisibility, yeah. and I'm going, oh, that's a that's a Chekhov's gun right there. Yeah. We're going to see that again. And uh, yeah. yeah, but we don't see the Minotaur horn. It's mentioned, but no, it's because he's got his Holy Avenger now, yeah. so he doesn't need it. Sorry, com- completely random tangent, Kristen, you can yeah. cut out, but in the D&D movie, that was one of my biggest gripes with it, I think, was, like, if they really wanted to, like, include a meta joke, they could have been introduced, like, a ton of magic items that they never use. Yeah. Being like, yep, my, I have this thing in my bag, never comes up never. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I really wanted an end credit scene where they were all, all the actors were just wearing, you know, regular clothes, sitting around a dining table. Yeah, with all with all the paraphernalia out there arguing about when they're going to meet again. Yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, I can't do it then. I've got to this. I got to that. It's like, oh, <laughs> okay. How about six weeks from now? <sighs> no, no, can't. <laughs> yeah, would have been fun. Anyway, I agree. Uh, you want to talk about colors? I mean, You're we talked fascinated about fascinated with colors. No, I, no, we no. talked about them a lot throughout the yeah. thing. I don't really feel like it needs to be brought up. Chris is fascinated with colors because oh. I did not have a colors note card, and he walked up and went through my whole pile of note cards and went, "You're missing colors." Don't you have a colors? Where's your colors card? <laughs> because I think it's a theme. Yes. I... Then you talk about okay, it. Yeah, uh, I'll talk about colors because, okay. like, I, I, like, in motifs in this book, I was just like, yeah. "What's here?" Like, I, I wanted to do dreams, but then I was just like, "No, dreams are really just a plot point." Like, they're not a motif. They're not, like, a metaphor. They're just yeah. a thing. Uh, colors are a motif. Yeah. And, like, especially with, like, Percy's... Like, what got me on this whole tangent is I feel like we have an unresolved point of tension here where Percy's mom's color is blue. And when we first meet the Fates, they're knitting blue socks. Mm. Are they and blue or are they purple? They're blue. They're they're blue socks. Electric blue, I think yeah. it says. Yeah. And, like, this never gets resolved. And, I'm like, I'm, I'm sure this comes up at some point later... But I'm just like, what? The, the socks. Zeus's color is also blue. Zeus's color is blue. Uh-huh. The blue pancakes, I think, is more of a old George Carlin joke, where there's no such thing as blue food. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And he, and that's a, that was a a way of Sally to push back at Gabe, was she would make blue things for Percy. Yeah. Because Gabe, oh, there's no such there's no such thing as blue food. Uh huh. Yeah. Blueberries are purple. They're not blue. Yeah. And, uh, no, I mean, Poseidon is basic. They talk about Percy and Poseidon both having green eyes. Yeah. The ocean. We also talk about Sally's eyes changing to the color of the sea. Yeah. Yeah. Her color changing eyes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing that I I saw a bit in this book and I think is. You just want to know who the socks are for. That's what you want to know. I want to find out. And it's something I want to keep in, like, in mind for the rest of it because, like, we have silver, which is associated with Athena. And, like, as Mm -hmm. these things come up, I feel like they could be subtle nods. Does Annabeth have the little silver earrings yet? No. 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 Okay. (laughs) Annabeth gets little silver owl earrings and they were a present from her mom for her birthday. So, yeah. Fine. But they're not magic or anything. They're just... Because the owls are her. Yeah. Owl is her thing. 
Silver is also Artemis, though. Artemis is the moon goddess, and the yeah. moon goddess is silver. Mm-hmm. Um, Ares, I mean, the Ares cabin is painted red. Yeah. Because that's blood and also rage. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole, I saw red, you know, I was so angry, all I saw was red. Yeah. Kind of thing. I'm, I'm going to assume Hades is black. Yeah, Hades is... <sighs> His black throne. His black throne. His black robes that he wears. Black hair. Yeah. <clears throat> oh. Anyway, that was just a thing that yes. I, I don't think is a big deal in this book, but I want to watch out for later because I feel like it's going to come up more frequently. So I'm really glad that, again, to go back to the movie that was 25-year-olds playing 17-year-olds. Uh-huh. Um, so, I mean, look up the cast of Disney Plus Percy Jackson series. They're all young. Mm-hmm. They're all like it's like, and I, that was my big complaint is they should have done this like the Harry Potter movie, yeah, and cast young people and just age with them, yeah. Um, oh, that's good news. Yeah, yeah, cool. There we go. All right, Kristen. Uh, anything else? Uh, I feel like we've. Uh, you have the oracle there. I do have the oracle. That's just the the prophecy, uh, um, and the way that it was presented uh, as Gabe and his poker friends each giving a line of the prophecy, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. I'm trying to remember because that's like because Percy is the the narrator, right? He's yeah. the he. We see everything through his eyes, uh, and he's also in this case the clueless guy who had you know he's the Watson. You know, because you can't have Sherlock without a Watson because you need to have some clueless guy to explain everything to. Yeah. So we understand it. And so Percy's that, right? Well, I don't know what's going on here. I'm the new guy. Well, let me explain it to you, blah, blah, blah. That's why why you have all of the Thrawn books written from somebody else's perspective following him around being like, this guy's so smart. (laughs) Yeah. And, um... I'm trying to think if, because there's, obviously there's a quest in every book. Is there a quest in every book? Yeah, there's a quest in every book. Um, And, but I don't think we actually, it's like, somebody will go up to the attic, because unless Percy's there, we don't see it. Yeah. Uh So, so so-and-so's, and and I'm not not even going to say names, so-and-so's going up to the attic to get their quest. Yeah. And Percy's down there waiting. Yeah. And Percy come and they come back down and the person says, uh, the Oracle said this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So we never see, so it could always be this sort of, you know, cinema of the brain kind of thing. Yeah. Where it's a weird Yeah. Uh, uh, that's one thing I do like about this book, and like I, I want to bring back my old old segment of my uh, my ranty book review that I want to finish this out with. But <laughs> that is uh, and I and I have tried so hard not to like draw comparisons between this series and Narnia. Um, oh, but yeah. yeah. But we can get into it. And that is one of the things I appreciate about this book is the fact that uh, it is kind of first-person perspective. It's all from Percy, whereas in Narnia... It's the omniscient narrator. It's omniscient, except like... Breaking in. Not, not always omniscient, and oftentimes we don't know who the perspective is being told by. It's Deadpool. Just kinda, he just yeah. breaks the thing and, do you remember the seagulls? Do yeah. you remember? Because sometimes we think it's omniscient, but then there's lines of just like, well, and Lucy told me this later. And it's like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> who are you? What yeah. did Lucy tell you? Why do you know her? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <sighs> yeah. So. Whereas if it's something Percy doesn't know, it's because they haven't told him. Yeah. yeah. And it's, 
uh, oh, I didn't want to tell you, but ABC, you know. Yeah. And it's like, oh, why didn't you tell me, blah, blah, blah. Because we didn't want the readers to know until we now. We didn't want the readers to know it was Kronos, so Annabeth didn't want to say so anything. So Annabeth didn't want to say anything, yeah. 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 Which I, I think is fun. I was watching a TikTok the other day that was talking about writers, and it was like, here's advice for writers. Uh, always reveal plot as dialogue from your characters. That way, if there's a plot hole later... It's your it's your it's your character's fault and not no, yours, yeah. Yeah. not your narrator's fault. Just everybody's an unreliable narrator. Narrator, yeah. That's how you solve that problem. Yeah. All right. Chronos foreshadow. Oh, oh, Chronos. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Yes, he's a bad guy. Um, but he's foreshadowed as the villain of this book in chapter one. Yeah, and I in, at didn't, the museum. I didn't catch that until I went back and started rereading the book for the mm-hmm. review. And like in chapter one, that was the question that Mister Brunner asked him at the museum was like, "Who is this? Who is this guy? And, What's his story?" Yeah, where was the power of names at that point? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's real interesting. I guess Percy didn't know he was. You know, that's a thing that's really big in this book, and it kind of goes away in later books. Yeah. Well, it's really inconsistent in this one, too. Where, where he says, like in the beginning, where, where Mr. D keeps busting his chops. Yeah. Names have power. You know? And who are you again? Yeah. You know? I'm Mr. D. You know? He won't even say his own name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's cool. I like the idea. I'll steal that from my D&D campaign. Yeah. Names have power. Mm-hmm. I think that... And I don't know where I got this. I've heard this before. Was that all these ultra powerful beings? Whenever someone says their name, they can hear it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So if you are talking about Zeus, he can listen to your conversation. Yeah. So we don't talk about the Furies. We talk about the kindly ones. Yeah. We don't talk about the Minotaur. We talk about Pacifist Sun. Yeah. Because we want to talk about them without them hearing. Yeah, I mean, that leads into something, another big thing I wanted to bring up uh, in this book that I've tried not to talk about in the chapter discussions, um, but it bothers me, is <laughs> okay. uh, how much do the gods know, really? Well, they're not omniscient. Yeah, because it seems like they're aware of a lot of what's going on, but not all of what's going on, and the gaps in their knowledge are very apparent well, at the end of the book. Greek gods have never been portrayed as omniscient or omnipresent. Yes. They may be all powerful. Yeah. But it's like, don't get on an airplane because Zeus will strike you down. Yeah. But get on an airplane with Zeus's lightning bolt and he won't strike you down. Yeah. Well, they can't teleport back. And also, like, is it implying that Zeus knows where his lightning bolt is? Because that breaks the entire book. Well, if... Okay, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'll defend... I'll, I'll be in the unenviable position of I don't know if it's a plot hole because Zeus says, "Don't presume to f- to be in my domain." Uh huh. So if you go to the beach and you're waiting around in the Pacific, Poseidon knows you're there. Yeah. If you're in an airplane, Zeus knows you're there. If the lightning bolt is in a bag of holding in the underworld, Zeus doesn't know where it is. Okay. But if it's in an airplane, he probably knows where it is. So where does Zeus's domain start altitude-wise? At the top of the arch. How, because like that's how, when he sent a kid. How high yeah. up do you have to be to enter into Zeus's territory? That's, that's yeah. <laughs> the sky, I guess. How high is the sky? Uh-huh. Well, apparently airplanes are in the sky. 
Yeah. Airplanes are in the sky. Yeah. Buildings? Yeah. Are buildings in the sky? Skyscrapers. Skyscrapers, the roof of the building. I mean, it's how many thousands of feet is it above the Empire State Building? Just hanging there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. And the airplanes don't see it because of the mist. Yeah. Yeah. But that was I uh, I'm not going to go as far as, as to call it a plot hole. It's just a it's an inconsistency. Yeah, I, it's not just Zeus in it. Like I feel like we don't really see it from Poseidon, but there's definitely big unexplained gaps in Ares' knowledge and Hades. Yeah. Like, yeah, we still on names. Sure. Okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. God's powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on names, I just wanted to the power of names, the importance of Percy being Jackson and not Ogliano. Yeah, like that was just one one other point I had on and names Sally and again. Like, Sally not being Ogliano either. Yeah. Sally's a Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, Zeus's domain. What's happening in their domain is is. With that said, though, what are the domains of these other gods? Because if you're like ocean is Zeus and or mm-hmm. ocean is Poseidon and sky is Zeus, Hades is the underworld yeah. or the land of the dead or dead people. Yeah, like our cemeteries, Hades. Like if you're in a cemetery, does Hades know that you're there? Maybe. Like if you are, if you are thieving, does Hermes know that you're doing that? If you're on a road, does Hermes know yeah. that you're there? Is Hermes with them the entire time that they're traveling in the bus? Does he know that they're there? Does, what, do, why doesn't he <laughs> know that Zeus's lightning bolt is in his domain? Luke Luke describes it as anyone who uses the roads, right? Yeah. Yeah. God, because he's a traveler. He's the travel god. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody who's involved in any kind of conflict is... Uh, when when people about. are architecting, <laughs> is Athena aware of everything well, that they're doing? The reason, or is she inspiring the, the reason Athena hooked up with um, Annabeth's father was he was like this professor of military history, mm-hmm. right? So he was he was strategizing, right? He yeah. was doing something, and she took notice. And, Ooh, look at that man! I like that brain. Hmm. Yeah. So so yeah, there's something there. But no, they're not omnipresent and they're not omniscient. So I guess it's where you direct your attention and maybe saying their names gives them something to direct their attention to. I don't know. It'd be really annoying. Like, I can understand why they'd be angry at it. Like, if any time somebody said my name, I knew about it. That would go very quickly. You say that as somebody named Chris, and every time you <laughs> place an order somewhere, there's four other Chrises waiting yeah. for an order as my, well. So. My, my name, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet you still give that as your name. Yes, I give that as my name. Yes. I I don't give my names to the Fae. I'm sorry. <laughs> when someone asks for fae. my name, I don't give it to them. Mm-hmm. I knew a guy in college who would, he just, he made up a name. He said King. Yeah. You know? Can I have a name for that? Or King, you know, or Reservation King, because we'd all go out to dinner. You know, King, party of ten, you know. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, don't give your name to the Fae. Yeah. Reservation for Miller. Yeah. That's, that was my that was my father's name for our family was always Miller. Miller yeah. uh-huh. On the subject of Athena's uh, care yeah. and domain, yeah, Annabeth. Mm-hmm. This is just a little quote from the book that I enjoyed, and so I'm going to go ahead and reread it here. Mm-hmm. I appeared on my father's doorstep in a golden cradle carried down from Olympus by mm-hmm. Zephyr, the West Wind. That's just. Very, it's a heck of an intro. It's a heck of an intro. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, they talk about 
Athena. There are there are gods. There are maiden goddesses. Artemis is one, and Athena is one. And they talk about it later in another book. It's like, do you really, you know, because Percy's asking. It's like, wait a minute, she's not supposed to be with guys. It's yeah. like, and Annabeth goes, do you really want to know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she says, I was a thought child. I was like, you know, they were so into each other that, you know, because it's, uh, oh, and she even says, how was my mother born, Percy? Oh, he, he, she sprang from the head of Zeus. Yeah. Fully, you know, an adult, fully armored and everything. Because, yeah, that's how it works with Athena. We're, 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 we're children of thought. Hmm. So. I was, yeah. I, no yeah. intercourse was involved in the making of this child. In all of my research, that was another yeah. thing. I was like, how did that happen? Like, yeah. Athena's very specifically supposed to be, like, mm-hmm. Not a not a carrier of children. Yes, a virgin goddess, as they say. I guess that answers my uh, my long running question about like you know the goddess children in the gestation periods and how that all works. Yeah, yeah. but it's like by by nature goddesses could have many fewer children than well Aphrodite. Than Aphrodite has children. if they're if they're gestating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how I don't know how Aphr- I, I'm presuming Aphrodite's children. Are, are conceived in the regular way. Yeah, would make sense. That would make sense. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that works. Mm-hmm. My other question about magic, going all the way back, yeah. mm-hmm. was um, what is the nature of magic in this world, and does everyone have access to the kind of magic that Grover used in that like ward that Percy picked up on and accidentally used? Hmm. That That's interesting. Because... That does that whole warding away thing does come up in other books, but I don't know if that's just uh, like a. I don't know if it's really magic or if it's just like a thing you do, like you know, a Catholic would do this. Or, but. But it physically interacts yeah, with the but world. It physically, inter- well, for for at least for that one time with Percy, it physically interacted with yeah. the world. That's kind of a warding off the evil eye thing, I guess, is what it's supposed to be. But was that. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. And to, again, to use a and d term, is that a cantrip? Yeah. Right? It's just something you can do all the time. Yeah. Would seem that way. Whereas, um, you know, the, again, the humans in the stories that are magically powerful are corrupt. Whereas, you know, the things that are spirits, like the satyrs and the dryads and all the other things... Mm-hmm. They have powers, but I don't know if they're magic or if they're innate. It's just something they can do because they're not human. And again, is Percy's uh, telekinetic only with water? Is that a thing because he's the son of Poseidon? Or Well, clearly it's a thing because he's the son of Poseidon. Yeah. But, but how does it work? Is it magic or is it, you know, in his DNA? What is it? In his ability to breathe underwater. So, yeah. To, to make be himself, dry. Make himself dry. Basically, he's Aquaman. And his little command of water animals. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, when I'm reading this to the kid, to kids, and I, I read, I didn't read, I read, I read the first four books aloud. Uh-huh. We'd come in from lunch, and I'd read aloud for 20 minutes. And I read the first four books. And by then, out of my 30 students, after I'd finished the fourth book, about 27 of them had checked out. 
And so I said, okay, if for the three who are still into it, I said, you're going to read the last book on your own. You know, uh-huh. And some of them are. And I'm saying, oh, I really want you to finish reading this book because I want to talk to you about it. You know? <laughs> um, but yeah. And, I, and somewhere along the way, I just said, basically, you know, what can Percy do? Basically, he's Aquaman. He can do anything in the Aquaman movie that he could do. Yeah. He can do. Yeah. I really wanted to talk to more fish throughout the series. Uh, I think that's yeah. a big unexplored uh, power of his. Talking to fish. The fish don't talk back, though. The horses talk back. I think we've hit all of my uh, my note cards. Speaks with animal only horses. <laughs> oh, one theme. The other theme that I want. The my last theme. Your my, last theme. My last note card. That's it. They're done. This is the last one. This is it. We're wrapping up. Uh-huh. Um, my last theme was the isolation of power um, that we have kind of presented. Yeah. Uh, where as soon as Percy is claimed. He's ostracized at the camp. Yeah. And he is kind of, he then has to train alone with Luke and with Annabeth apart from everybody else. Because they're all afraid of him. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how much that carries throughout the whole book, but I do feel like it's definitely there. When you have like the big three swearing this oath, yeah, because not he's, to have children, and that is a yeah, form of isolation. Yeah, he's a pariah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just kind of the way that the big three have to swear this oath in their power to not have children, yeah. and that is them isolating themselves. Yeah, and there's no Hades cabin there. Yeah, either. Which is another reason why I want Hades to have a secret kid. Yeah. It's like I think uh, that that. Theoretical person's interactions with Percy would be really interesting. Yeah. Uh huh. But yeah, that was the other theme that I wanted to. I'm not looking for you to. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. Yeah, it's. um, And I was thinking of something when you mentioned that about the isolation of power. Oh, there was another thing I saw on TikTok where the guy was, it was a lit thing, and it was talking about, and he said, I think most villains are insecure. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at the villains, just in literature in general, or in children's YA, you know, it's like Ares, and I don't know, Kronos, but... I don't think Kronos is insecure at all. Yeah. No. That's why he's the big bad. Yeah. You know, but... But Luke, Luke, for sure, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Most villains are insecure, and that's what push it. That's their part of their villain Our origin story. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, again. It's read the next book. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, it's also a theme in, prophecy, in like Harry, right. Harry Potter and stuff yeah, like that too. Yeah. Like it's a theme in a lot of oh, these, yeah, no, like I, you're the chosen one kind of stories. Yeah. This is very much the Jedi. Did you ever read Save the Cat? No. It's a book about screenwriting? No, I haven't. Um, it's It was on my to-read list for about seven years when I yeah. was in college. I've read it. It's good. And uh, it kind of ruins a lot of screenplays for you because you, 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 know, you see how the sausage is made, yeah. right? You see the bits and pieces. But this is very cinematic. I hope they do a good job with the... I think it will adapt well to a, a miniseries mm-hmm. because basically each chapter is an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, in the beginning of the book, Percy is... One of the things in Save the Cat, he says, is in the beginning of the story, you have to establish that this 
main characters in life is untenable unless something changes. Stas- and he calls it stasis equals death, right? Uh-huh. This, something's got to happen or yeah. he's, he's just, it's like, it can't go on like this. Yeah. Where I'm expelled from every school I've ever been to <laughs> and I don't have any friends and blah, 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 blah. And, at, and in that whole hero's journey cycle, at the end, he has a family again, right? Yeah. He has his mom back, Gabe is gone, uh, and he has friends and he has people who care about him. And he has the ability to go back to that camp or even stay at the camp yeah. if he wants. Yeah. Like, Yeah, that's one of the things, like like you said, this bothers me. Uh, the one thing that bothers me, it's like Chiron says, well, you can stay, and he's almost begging him yeah. to stay. Uh-huh. There's only a few. Annabeth stays because she doesn't have a home to go to. Clarice stays. There's a couple who stay. Yeah. And they're usually pretty powerful people. And the reason they have to stay is because they're so powerful that the monsters come to them. Yeah. Right? The monsters smell them. Uh-huh. So Annabeth couldn't stay at home because the monsters would attack. And civilians. Yeah. And the same's true for, uh, for Clarice. And the same's true for a couple of them like that. And uh, so they stay at camp all year round. And he's begging Percy, who is a son of Poseidon, who is more yeah. powerful than all of them, because yeah. they're all second tier. He's yeah. first tier. Please stay. Yeah. Right? And no, I'm going to go home and hang out with my mom. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you're the chosen one, Neo. Stay. <laughs> I have to train you. Yeah. Because book five is coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and everyone, it's like, oh, you should have had more training. I didn't have enough time to... I should have taught you so much more before he goes off to face death again. And it's like, well, dude, just make him stay and train him all year. Homeschool. (laughs) But he's impertinent. But he's impertinent. (laughs) Yes. And the sea doesn't like to be restrained. And that's one of the the last lines in the book. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even then he says, you know, so he's got... His... He's gone full circle, but now he's got something they didn't have at the beginning. Yeah. Right. And he says, I'll be back. You know. In Sea of Monsters. Yeah. All right. Anything else from you, Chris? Your your uh, whole theory about why Hades has a kid, maybe? Um, I mean my whole theory about why Hades is a kid is very simple. Uh it's just because of the I think there's a lot of subtext in the interaction between Hades and Percy when they when they meet and talk for the first time, where Hades never really expresses rage at Poseidon or like Zeus for violating their oath. Like he never brings this up. He never brings up the fact that Percy shouldn't like. I think he brings it up one time where Percy shouldn't exist. But well, like, Zeus brings it up more. Yeah, yeah. Zeus, that's kind of hypocritical. Yeah, Zeus brings it up a lot more. And like of all the things that Hades is angry about. Uh, his brothers breaking this oath isn't one of them. And so I mm-hmm. think he did it. And he might have done it first. And so I think if if, if Hades has a, uh, a kid out there, it's uh, going to be older than either Percy or Thali was. Think he's so, going to be a 20-something or 30-something? Possibly. So. Okay. That's the thing. Anyway, that's my whole theory. Um, Read some more books. Yeah. <laughs> I try. Uh, Kristen, are you okay with me doing a um, a, a book review, a little, yeah. little two minute book review? Ooh. Are you going to give out stars? Uh, yeah, we're going to dust off this old chestnut. It's been a while. Uh, <laughs> in fact, since we did the book review of book six of Narnia, which was a long time ago, yeah, 
Um, so you want to you want to rate this out of crustaceans? Why crustaceans? Because they're a sea critter. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say lightning bolts, but yeah. Anemone, that's, that's, that's too easy to uh, <laughs> anemones. Yeah. Uh, magic swords. Yeah. We're gonna rate this out of crustaceans. All right. Um, so here's my opening statement. I think uh, when way back when years ago when we first started reviewing Narnia after we read Magician's Nephew and we're going into book two of the Narnia series. I wasn't excited for it. <laughs> like, uh, I'm sorry, listeners, a lot of Narnia felt like a chore to me because, yeah. like, a lot of it was kind of a slog and there were so many chapters where nothing happened, which I complained about all the time. Um, this book, I'm excited for book two. I really want to read it. I want to find out what happens. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, as a 30-something reading this, this is great literature and this is, like, one of my favorite books I've ever read. Oh, that, that's something it's... I wanted to ask, What if you guys think, because the Narnia books were written, like, 70 years ago yeah and you asked me in another podcast would you would you read this in your class and i would say no because it doesn't really hold up Mm -hmm. but it's still considered classic children's literature yeah do you think in 70 years this series will be classic children's literature or will it be i think it'll be overshadowed a little bit by things like harry potter yeah but i think that it definitely should hold up yeah I mean, I mean, it's basically the Odyssey. Like, it's a kid's version of, like, a, a Greek epic, and, like, yeah. people are still reading those 3,000 years later. So, sure, as a as a companion piece to talking about Greek mythology, which is always going to be a thing. Yeah. Sure, yeah. I think that'll... Yeah, it might always be a sixth-grade reading book. Yeah. Um, Sorry to derail you there. No, you're good. Uh, so I'm excited about reading the next one. Uh, overall, I thought this book was good it was really fun i think it does a really good job of pacing uh uh, plot reveals action like there wasn't a single chapter where okay i think there was one chapter in the book where i was just like that was pointless but other than that like uh something's always happening we're always getting new information about the world we're always doing character development and i think he does that really well um Mm -hmm. i think my only real gripes with the book are the ones i brought up here were you know, I I think there's some plot holes about how much knowledge the gods have and, like, just, you know, who who's at play behind the scenes here and what's really going on. You you may find those answered in future books. Yeah, and, and that's that's why it's not, like, a major, like, uh, negative point for me because, like, I feel like I'm probably just missing something in for, as far as context goes. Man, I mean, other pros and cons... Uh, yeah, I think characters are done well. They're believable. Like, as Steve said, uh, they are believably 12. And, like, a lot mm-hmm. of, a lot of like, especially a lot of newer YA novels have the major issue of, like, all these characters are supposed to be 15 and they talk like they're 35. Yeah. Like, and this does a really good job of, like, portraying actual conversations had by kids. Um, so. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, when she goes, when uh, uh, Annabeth's talking about Athens, yeah. and he goes... Wow, they must have really liked olives. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I can understand it if she invented pizza, but yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it's fun. I'm looking forward to the next one. Uh, I really want to see where the series goes. Um, man, uh, four out of five crustaceans. All right. Oh, there you go. There's my review of book one. I give it a hurricane. <laughs> 
I think it is a riotously paced quest tale of heroism. There you go. According to Kirkus Reviews. <laughs> That's where I get all my information about books. It's also an adventure quest with a hip edge. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Um, reading the back of the book. Oh, we want to read the back of the book and mm. see what we uh, what we spoiled? Would you, would you like to do that, Kristen? Sure. Because uh, I did not read the back of the book going into this because I expected it to have spoilers. And mm-hmm. that frequently happens for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I, I will finally read, for the first time, the back of the book live on the podcast. Wow. <laughs> Percy Jackson is about to be kicked out of boarding school again. And that's the least of his troubles. La- lately, mythological monsters and the gods of Mount Olymp- Olympus seem to be walking straight out of the pages of Percy's Greek mythology textbook and into his life. And worse, he's angered a few of them. Zeus's master lightning bolt has been stolen, and Percy is the prime suspect. Now Percy and his friends have just ten days to find and return Zeus's stolen property and bring peace to a warring Mount Olympus. But to succeed in his quest, Percy will have to do more than catch the true thief. He must come to terms with the father who abandoned him, solve the riddle of the oracle, which warns him of betrayal by a friend, and unravel a treachery more powerful than the gods themselves. Mm, that spoils. Spoilers, that it? spoils about the first three chapters. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's definitely not, a lot better. Than it's not bad. Yeah, some of the uh, some of the Narnia yeah. ones. She's like, here's the entire plot. Yeah, or some of the Dresden ones. Oh if you want gosh, to get into the back of the Dresden yeah. books. You do not read if you if you have not read Dresden and you plan to do not read, read. the back of any of the books. Yeah. ever. It spells Please. out the entire plot. It really does, in a f- painful, painful <laughs> way. Like no. Cool. So before we uh, head out, uh, Steve, any final thoughts? Anything you want to plug? Anything you have coming up that you want the listeners to be aware of? I am blissfully unattached to any sort of social media. I have nothing going on. Okay. I have um, 13 days left in the school year mm-hmm. when I can say, no longer my monkeys, yep. no longer my circus, until the middle of August. So yeah, we'll just... Got no pluggables, nothing to plug. There you go. Right, there I any, go. Anything you're enjoying? Any podcasts you're enjoying? Shows? Uh, apart from yours? <laughs> apart from your infrequent podcast? What am I listening to? Have we thrown an endorsement for Midnight Burger yet? I don't think so. Midnight Burger? Delightful. <laughs> Delightful. That's a podcast I'm really enjoying right now. Delightful. You should listen to it, Steve. I think you would really enjoy it. I'm, I'm getting in. I, I, it's I'm, a narrative podcast, and it is okay. fully voice acted, and it's absolute delight. It is about Midnight Burger, a diner that is uh, um, travel through space, and travels time. through space and oh. time and dimensions. I'm looking it up right now. Mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying uh, running Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. and I think we're having a lot of fun. There seems to be a lot of laughter at the table, <laughs> yeah. usually good. at someone's expense. Yeah, usually Jimmy's. Yeah. Cool. So, yeah, I am I am subscribing to Midnight Burger, even as we speak. There you go. Nice. Anyway, Kristen, would you like to take us out? Thank you so much for listening today as we discussed the entirety of The Lightning Thief, book one of Percy Jackson and the Olympian series. Join us next time as we discuss chapter one of The Sea of Monsters, My Best Friend Shops for a Wedding Dress.
In the meantime, you can interact with us on social media at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash chronically podcast if you're cool like that. Also, send us your fan art of Gladiola the Dog <laughs> at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. Who secretly might be Zeus. Who secretly might be Zeus. That, that, yeah, that could be Zeus. <laughs> There's 279 pages. No, that's much shorter than the yeah, first one. Yeah. First one in my book is uh, 375. Well, there you go. Yeah. 100 pages less. So, do you have a sign-off uh, until next time? <sighs> until next time, uh, don't date your cousin. And uh, talk to any animals you can. And uh, whatever you do, never say the name of Zeus. Ominous. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Don't forget to wipe your sword. theme yes I, then you talk about okay, it yeah uh i'll talk about colors because okay. like i i uh at the beach at at montauk 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 at montauk because there's obviously there's a quest in every book is there a quest in every book yeah there's a quest in every book can he really be the main character or the hero of this book if he doesn't have a soul let's get into that this is much thinner book is so much thinner. How many pages? But I also don't want this episode to be three hours long, so. Well, she'll, she'll cut it down. So she'll just cut out all the, all, leave only the good parts. Uh-huh. I had. Not to, I mean, not to already talk about Star Wars, um, because that was <laughs> the perfect time for this. Blah, 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 blah. That was the thing that happened. That was the thing that happened. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So do we, I, I mean. Spoilers, stop asking questions. <laughs> Those aren't big plot spoilers. Yes, but, like, but he's going to ask questions that will lead to spoilers. Yeah. You must go to Santa Monica. Join us next time as we discuss chapter one of the Sea of Monsters. And I don't know the name of that chapter. It is something about a wedding dress. All right, and... You're going to cut all of this out, right? I'll just searching for stuff. Yes. Yeah, I always do. <laughs> and then you'll stick it on at the end. That's a dog barking. Yeah. <laughs> um, it will either go for one minute or for 30 minutes. Or for four hours, like that one time. Um, at three in the morning. <laughs> I keep trying to tell you guys, nobody cares. Right. Just let the dog bark. We're trying to sound professional. Yeah, technically they're first cousins once removed because Zeus and Poseidon are brothers, but her mother is Athena. So it's that kind of relationship. 
Yeah. You guys at home can see what I'm doing with my hands, right? Yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> yes. I, I don't know if I can even describe it. Uh, yeah. what, what Steve's doing with his hands right now? He's created a family tree, created, yeah. showing yeah. the gap there so, between first yeah. cousin once removed versus second cousin. Yeah. yeah. This would be second cousin here. Yeah, yeah. that would be second cousin there. The, this this is first cousin. This is first cousin once removed. This yeah. is second cousin. 